Amen. Thank you, Tom. That was a great song, Fire on the Mountain. Hey. It's good. You remember that song. I do. I do. I'm old enough. Hey, we got a new minister coming. The church is about to become green. And I'm thankful for that. And I think he's a good man. I filled a lot of questions back in the back there. Main one was, if we got a new minister, why are you speaking? And so I, I don't know. I just got the chance. I really enjoyed your message. That was powerful. You said 320 million different gods. Is that what you said? Yeah, give or take. I wonder how many we have in the United States. Because I went to India. I spent some time there. I didn't spend time in the northern region. I spent in the southern. And the only difference is there's a pretty thick southern draw down there. But other than that, it was the same. And they need Jesus. Amen? We have Jesus. Let's give them Jesus. Okay? Um, We've been studying the book of Proverbs over the last few months. And these writings are designed to help you see people, events, and situations just as God sees them. In Proverbs 1 7, it might be the closest to kind of nailing it down, the theme for it. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instructions. So we want to be wise, we don't want to be foolish, and this book will help us get that way. These, these scriptures are designed to make you wise, and I don't know about you, but I sure could use a little more wisdom, right? Hey, at least you didn't agree with that, you know. First, first service, Tom went, amen. I go, wait, what? But our, our text today is in Proverbs 17, 9. And it says, whoever would foster love covers an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. In other words, it is encouraging us through love to forgive and refusing to do so has consequences such as the loss of close friends. And I say refusing to do this, to cover an offense, to forgive, has consequences such as the end of marriages, the end of friendships, yeah. But I say, one of the consequences, it will destroy you. So we want to be able to forgive. We want to be quick. Now, when I was in youth ministry, uh, I had this middle school trip that I took, but I was a little short on female sponsors, so I decided to take a high, a high school student with me. And this high school student that I chose, she was really good with kids, and didn't cause a lot of trouble. That was the main reason. But two girls really wanted to go. But I had to choose one, so I chose this other girl. Could have been the money she paid me. I don't know. But I chose that girl. And the next Monday, I'm in, in my office, and this lady comes up, and it was the mom of the, of the girl I did not choose. And she was mad at me. Can you imagine? You know, she was really mad and said, you did harm to my daughter. I says, I wasn't trying to do harm. I was just trying to do a middle school trip. Your daughter's best with, uh, your daughter wasn't as good with kids as this other little girl. And so I chose her. And she said this, in conclusion, I will never forgive you. Well, we 
What do you say to that? Goodbye? I, don't, I really don't even know what to say to that. It was like, how can you be so callous? How can you not forgive the simplest things when there's so much greater things that could occupy your mind, right? But she wasn't going to forgive. And you know what? As far as I know, she's lived up to that saying. So who knows? But today we're going to look at this uh, thing of forgiveness and... Let's go to God, let's, let's pray, and let's have him bless it. Mighty God and Father, I do pray tonight for Fall Philip and for the India mission, and I just pray that it all goes well and that here in this room we can catch a vision of the things going on in India and we can be quick to respond even with our money and just, and just make it a successful Fall Philip. God, thank you for this message. Thank you for me... Uh, just the way you worked in my heart. And so I just pray that you'll work in other people's heart as they hear this, and we pray you bless it. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Now, as I was getting ready to, to, to give this message, I found this story, and I don't know if it's true, but it's a good story, and it's about forgiveness. The Spanish have a story about a father and a son who have become estranged. The son left home, and the father set out to find him. He searched for many months with no success. Finally, in desperation, the father took out a newspaper ad that read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Signed, your father. On Saturday... 800 men named Paco showed up looking for forgiveness and love for their fathers. We all need forgiveness, don't we? We withhold it, and bad things happen. That love only comes from God. And he wants you and I to be free. And it's cool because he didn't say, I want you to be free so that you'll serve the church better. I don't want you to be free so you can go do something. He said, I want you free for freedom's sake. Amen? No agenda. He just wants us to be free. And this area of anger could probably strangle that freedom right out of you. Not probably, for sure does. And this is the most common thing that all of us are dealing with. Amen? We deal with it from the littlest thing, like forgetting a girl on a youth group or not taking a girl, to one of the ladies I was visiting with. How do you forgive someone who murdered your daughter? I, I, how do you do that? But I always also know it's from God. It has to be from God. So as I look at forgiveness, I want you to think, we don't need anything. We don't need anything that causes us to go back in bondage. And that's what forgiveness does to us. Now, I work at a counseling center called CLM, and I see a lot of people. And I would say a good 95% are dealing with some sort of anger and unforgiveness in their life. That's right, 95%, easily. Could be 100, I don't know, because... One of the, my favorite handouts to give is about unforgiveness, about forgiving those who trespass against you. And there's a lot of reason why people get upset, they get mad, some seem justified, some seem trivial, but to that person, none of it is trivial. 
And that is, you know, here's some reasons that people get mad. It's the pain of rejection. And if I show, had a show of hands here, how many of you really enjoy forgive, I mean, rejection? Would you raise your hand? Well, nobody's going to do that. We all dislike rejection. I don't go into any situation without thinking, what are people thinking about me? Whatever, you know? And that's the problem with being a people pleaser. Because I'm always thinking, what are they going to be, what are they going to dislike about me? What are the things I need to do to gain their approval? But honestly, how could I get approval of 500, 1,000 people? Does that stop me? No, I go on. Trying to please everybody. But the pain of rejection. I think a lot of us have felt that from dads to moms to wherever. Another reason, you get your goals and your desires all mixed up. Now, a goal is good if, as long as it doesn't involve another person. And it's really funny how quick goals get established in your life. For instance, my wife and I were going to a Super Bowl party one time, and on the way down the hill, because I live in Isiga area, I said, I need to get some ice for this Super Bowl party. See, it was a real spiritual party. And I need to get some ice for it. And she said, fine. And in my mind, I made this goal that I was going to pull into Mini Mart, into Common Sense, whatever that is, at the bottom of the hill. I was going to go pay the clerk, go out to the outside thing, get the ice, and we'd be on our way. But halfway down the hill, my wife says this, I would like some chocolate for this party. I go, well, that's fine. I'll get some chocolate. I was thinking I could get chocolate at Common Sense, right? Makes sense to you guys, not my wife. But I was sitting at the bottom, I was about to turn in there, and we had this real quick discourse, you know, real quick argument. And I started to pull into Common Sense. She goes, what are you doing? I'm going to Common Sense because I need ice. And she goes, I told you I needed chocolate. And by the time we, I just got out of the parking lot. I'm heading down Canyon Lake, and I'm mad. I'm really mad. And she goes, my wife goes to me, she says, why are you so mad? And I said what every man in this room would say. I'm not mad. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm not mad. But I really had to think, why am I mad? I'm not going to common sense. Now, I don't have anything at common sense that would allure me to common sense. Although the girls that I buy things from, they check me out. <laughs> but I suppose Safeway does too. So I'm going, I didn't really have a reason I wanted to go to common sense. It was just a goal I had set. That's how quick they come. But when she stopped it, when she blocked it, I was upset. Why? Because goals really are pretty entrenched within us. And that's why a goal that involves another person can never be a good goal. Because you could have a goal that I'm going to have the best marriage in the world. Well, there's another partner that says, oh, no, you're not. You see? <laughs> Hopefully not. But you could, I guess. But that's a desire. 
a desire is, isn't so hard to let go of. A desire won't make you mad newsily, and if it doesn't make it, a goal will always make you upset. And finally, I got um, unmet or unrealistic expectations. And if you expect someone to do it and they don't, there's disappointment, there's anger, there's all of those things. Uh, for instance, like a guy just recently got married and he was in my office and he's thinking, you know, he's talking about being mad and I go, well, I sit down for breakfast and I'm ready for breakfast to be put in front of me. I like eggs and all that stuff. And my mom always did this for me. My new wife said, there's the refrigerator, there's the stove, have at it. Was she wrong? Yeah, no. <laughs> Wouldn't that be bad? The message on how to serve your husband. No, this is just about being mad because, hey, that's an un unrealistic expectation. And we also form those rather easily, don't we? And those are the type of things that make us mad. Now, I put a list of things that you may get when you're mad. Now, this could be a list of places that you can jump in, jump off at any time, but they really do kind of progress. And the first one is, you're hurt. I understand hurt. You know, I understand how hard that would be to be, you know, when you're expecting something, you're not, you're hurt, and that makes you angry. Bitterness. And that comes through someone doing the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, they'll say they're sorry. Sorry. You ever heard this one before? If you're really sorry, you wouldn't do it again. Right? Causes bitterness. Resentment or revenge or vengeance. Hatred and strife. Ungratefulness. Loss of hope and faith. Depression. And ultimately is death. And all sins lead to what? Death. And we want to avoid those. For, for forgiveness is the act of pardoning an offender. In the Bible, the Greek word translate forgiveness literally means to let go. To let go of it. And that sounds so cool, doesn't it? Then you can go home and just let go. But I know these hurts really do bother you. I know that that's a terrible, difficult thing. You could tell somebody else and they won't hang on to it. And they'll go, wait, you're mad about that? Or they say, I don't blame you for being mad. Or they say, you should be mad. But what does God say? And there, I want you to know forgiveness isn't wrong in itself. It's just what we do with it becomes overwhelming. Now, forgiveness, what it's not, it's not letting go of an offender. It's not letting the offender off the hook. In other words, if you got robbed or you got beat up and you could say you're forgiven, but that person still has to go through the court systems, has to get through all the legal things, and the natural consequence that go with the sin still will be played out. Do you follow? So it's not letting them go. It's letting yourself go, really. Uh, number two, the sin was too bad, and it hurt too much. How about this one? We don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Because if I forgive this person, it's as if they never even did anything. And they did something to me, right? It hurt too much. I don't really feel like forgiving today. 
Catch me on Tuesdays. They haven't asked me to forgive them. And that becomes kind of a common theme where these two words mean so much. What two words? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry you were hurt. But in some cases, that's an impossibility to even hear those because the person that's caused you the most hurt, the most damage is dead. So where do you go from there? Sometimes you're never going to get an apology. Now here's another one. I can't forget it. How many times have you heard, I'll forget, how can I, I can't forgive because I can't forget it. Now you all look like pretty intelligent people from this view here. I could be wrong. Are you going to forget something traumatic that happened in your life? No. So forgiveness cannot be based on the forgetting. Okay? And then lastly is I want to see them punished. And we'll talk about that a little bit later about vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But all these things come in. So forgiveness is returning to God the right to take care of justice and other, by refusing to transfer the right to exact punishment or revenge. We are telling God that we don't trust him to take care of matters. And I think that's the, that is the most trusting thing you can do or understand about God, that he got it. Right? He's got it. Forgiveness is not letting the offense recur again and again. Now, I see a lot of people, and some are abused, and it by no means is forgiving that abuser. Put yourself back in there, because now he's forgiven, right? Oh, that's silly. I say, forgive them, but stay far away from them. They're not good. They're unhealthy. They're toxic. Okay? Um... Forgiveness is not the same as reconciling. I think reconciling is a totally different thing, but it's just covering that offense so that it's not bothering us with all the power. Forgiveness is a process, not an event, and you'll see this over and over again where I have somebody forgive in my office, and they say, hey, I went home, and I felt like I forgave them, but then I woke up the next day, and I was ticked all over again, right? and forgive them again, and forgive them again. And some of us have to do this daily, especially when the sin that's committed against you kind of smells the same as it did before. How many times do I have to forgive them? You might find yourself asking. We don't always have to tell them we've forgiven them. I was mad at my mom, not for very long, but for 45 years. And I decided it was time for me to do this work of forgiveness. And I took a pad of paper out, I wrote my mom's name down at the very top, and had to list all the offenses that she did to me. Even the ones that I tried to justify as I got older. Well, she might have done this because she had a bad upbringing. It doesn't matter. It's an offense to me. And that's between me and God. And that's why I write, wrote this down. And I dated it. Then I laid my hands on it and I prayed for, a, for forgiveness on all accounts. Now, did I tell her she was 
you're, you're welcome for me forgiving you, you know. No. But here's the difference. Before, it was hard for me to even stop by my mom's. It was hard for me to, to uh, lead her by the hand through a store. Because my mom is blind. And it would always kind of irk me. And Sharon would end up doing it. Now I can do it. I still want Sharon to do it, but I could do it. I can stop there. There's not this grudge thing. There's nothing in between us now. Do you follow? I didn't have to tell her that I forgave her. I think that would do more damage. Here's what Christians do. You forgive too quickly to avoid the pain or to manipulate the situation. I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think we all go to Sunday school in our life, and what do they teach you at Sunday school? Good Christians forgive, right? And so you just blanket with a forgiveness, and it's good enough. So many people in my office said, I've forgiven them. And then they get really steamed when I bring up an offense or what's happened to them. They haven't forgiven them. They forgave them this much when the offense was this big. You've got to forgive it all. And don't do it just because it's right to do it until you're ready to do that. Okay? Um... So these are some of the reasons. Today I want to forgive you. Um, Unforgiveness is also dangerous to your health. Heart issues. Yeah, people actually do have a heart attack because of unforgiveness. Believe it or not, uh, even the certified board of medicine says it is dangerous to your health and it can lead to so and such and stuff. But I put down depression. It ages you quicker. Steals your joy and taints the way you look at life. All those things. So what do we do with all this anger that's within us? And the first thing I got is you got to decide to allow God to work in your heart. Decide to allow God to work in your heart. Like I said, I see a lot of people at CLM, and I see this guy, I used to see him quite frequently, and he was really mad at his father. He grew up as a rancher, and his dad treated him like a ranch hand. He never said thank you. He never said good job. He just worked and worked and worked him. And he was bitter about that. But we left that subject. He said he forgave him and all that. And we were talking about something completely different. And then he stopped me and he says, I know what I need to do. I go, what's that? He goes, I have to forgive my father. I said, we weren't talking about, no. <laughs> I said, well, that's good, man. So I sent him home the same way I forgave my mom with a piece of paper. I said, write your dad's name at the top of that paper and list every offense he's done to you. Same with your mom, same with brother, same with whoever. And he went home and he did this. He brought it in to me. I don't read those things. I think that is definitely between you and the Lord. But what I did was, I got some matches, we went out in the parking lot, and we burnt that thing in symbolic gesture that it is done. And he, you'd, you'd have thought we were having church service out there. He's stomping his feet, he's raising his hands, and I say, don't get too charismatic on me, buddy. But he, he's like this habit, and then he goes, I felt like I had 250 pounds taken off my back. In a sense, he really did because of his unforgiveness. 
And that's what I want for you. Okay? I want the Lord to be able to work in your heart. I want his word to work in, inside of you. Now, we, we can go to, I want you to go to Matthew. Um, that's good. I can't even remember where I'm at here. <clears throat> Matthew 18. And here's how God sees this thing. It's funny, you know, I, as I was preparing this, I had a lot of opportunities to talk about forgiveness, and one of the gals was talking, if I forgive him, he'll do it again. I said, yeah. Well, how many times do I need to forgive him? Well, what does the scripture says? Seven times 70. You have to forgive him 140 times, right? No. That's a ambiguous number. It doesn't matter. You ain't going to sit there and he messes up and you go, that's one. And that'll get pretty old around 60. <laughs> that's 60, you know, but what the Lord says in 18 verse 21, he says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seven times 70. Isn't that amazing? That's the way he wants us free. He doesn't want us to be clogged up with all this negative stuff. And then he, gets, he goes on further and tells us a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, how many bags of gold? 10,000. Or, if it's easier to remember, one of my paychecks. Okay. But that is an impossible number to ever pay back. There's no way he's going to make that kind of money to say, here's what I owe you. So he was brought to the king since he was not able to pay. Um, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he be sold to repay the debt. Now this, the servant fell on his knee before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay you back everything. No, he wouldn't. Like I said, that's an unreal amount of money. The servant master, though, took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow, servant fell, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. That is, a, that is an amount of money you could pay back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that happened. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancel all the debt of, my, of yours because you begged me to. Soon you had mercy on the fellow servant. In anger, the master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, we can go over this. I don't think that was an old dispensation. I don't think it applies to us that God will forgive you. But here's the deal. God 
forgave you. God forgave you. And God forgave you. He forgave all of us. And he did this while we were still enemies of his. He didn't wait for me to fall into line. He'd have been waiting a long time, right? Because none of us can. Without the Spirit of God within us, we're all helplessly lost. But God knew that, and he died, and he forgave all of our sins. You going to pay that back? That's the king. We owe a debt to him that we cannot pay. And then we go out, and we have revenge. We have anger towards our brothers or sister because they have this little offense against us. And God is just putting it in perspective. I forgave you this much. Can't you forgive this much? Okay? And then from the cross, my Lord, my Savior, said these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Second, depend on God. You cannot forget without the power of God. It's too hard to do on your own, and I would say it's impossible. Every time in my office when I'm talking to somebody about forgiveness, they say, but I can't, but I can't. And I say to them, I don't expect you to, but I do want God in you to work. It's, it's miracle, and through him, you can forgive. Did you get that? You can't do it on your own. And I want to remind you, you know, we, we get this thing that someone has had an offense against us. Someone sinned against us. But ultimately, all sins are against God. And Jesus took all sins, he carried all sins, and to the cross. And it's funny, you think about the sin that's bothering you, that someone did against you, and how much you get fixated on that, how much it hurt, how much all this is bothering you. But God took all sins and forgave them. He forgave them. And all you're doing when you forgive is coming alongside of God in agreement to what he's already done. Amen? It's easy. We make it so hard. People want to, they just don't want to forgive. And then they say, there's got to be more. And if I had a magic wand, I would wave it and say, here, there you go, whatever you want. You know, it's not done. I don't have a magic wand. I don't. All I got is this forgiveness thing, and it will set you free. It says in Ephesians 1, said, in, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And finally, we need to trust in God. We need to have trust that God is who he says, that God sees the way you've been hurt, but he has a way of evening the scales when you've been wrong. And those are something I find easier to do now because I've noticed he always evens the scales. When somebody rips me off for money, doesn't happen a lot, but it's happened to me enough times, I don't get all upset, I don't get worried because I know God will even those scales. I'll show up, $100, let's say a guy owes me, he's gonna stip me for it, I'll make that up somewhere. God will give it to me. And it's the same with this. It says God will even the scale. When you've been hurt, he will even those scales. And I want you to listen to what it's saying in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by it. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the question is, do you trust God? Do you trust him that he's got whatever you're going through? Now, I worked with a guy, we'll call him Gary, because that's his name. (laughs) But I worked with him for a couple, three years. And then I decided to do something really, really bad to him, apparently. I quit. That was all. You know, I didn't quit because he was a bad boss. I didn't quit because I didn't like the job. I quit because it was, my daughter was reaching kindergarten age, and I wanted to get her to a smaller school district because it would be better, right? Well, it wasn't so, but (laughs) I had good intentions anyway. And when I told him I quit, he exploded on me. He called me every name in the book. He wanted to fight me. He told me what a lousy person and a lousy worker I was, and I'll never get a job ever again. So far, he's been right on that, but you never know. But, you know, I just said, this is terrible response. And I hung up, talked to my wife, and I decided to meet him at the church because what better place to have a fight, right? Is at the church. So I called up one of my elders and say, I'm having problems with this guy. Um, can, we, can you come and just mediate that? He did it. He came, and I thought that would lessen the load. It didn't help a bit. He wanted to fight me. He, wanted, he just called me every name of the book. He didn't pay me my last paycheck, so if you see him, get my last paycheck from him. But... All in all, I still left, and he was still mad. And I went up, and I started a new job in Cheyenne. I was working at a cabinet shop, and I just remember, for some reason it sticks me, I was milling doors. And by that, you get a door, and you just got to run it through a shaper, get the right edge on it and stuff. I had a stack of them, for instance, and I would be milling these doors, thinking about him, how much I hated him, right? Turn the door over, run it the other way, and that's another reason to hate him or something. So I'd be running these through, and I just became so consumed with him. And God and my wife, they both had to have a talk with me. He wasn't worth it. He was consuming my life, right? Right? And so I had to give it over to my heavenly father and say, it wasn't right. I know it wasn't right, but God, you use that to shape him, to sharpen me, to do whatever you want. And it worked. Same offenses. Like I said, he's never paid me. How much was that? 600, some 700? I don't remember what it was, but I never got, saw a dime of it. I forgave him. Not because he asked for it, because I want my life back. I want to be free. And that's the way I want for you. I want you to be free. Okay? 
And like I said, I work in a counseling office, and when I hear a lot of clients say, by the way, I have a lot of Christian clients, and what I hear a lot of those clients say is, I'm not mad. If your wife or husband is telling you you're mad or have an anger problem, there's a good chance that you do. Sorry. Same if a friend tells you, a boss is telling you, a coach is telling you, those who know you the best see you in a bunch of situations. If they say you got an anger problem, you probably have an anger problem. So what do we do? Know that being angry is not wrong, is what we do with it. It says, in your anger do not sin, which caused me a lot of confusion for a while, because as a pastor, you couldn't get mad, right? Did you know your pastor gets mad? Ben doesn't, though. Ben's golden. It says in the book of Ephesians, not to let your sin consume you. Don't let anger be what consume you. We should be consumed by the Spirit of God and nothing else. That's where my focus needs to be. You need to write it down, just like I've been telling you. Write down the offenses. And I remember one guy, he was so mad. I told him to do this. I said, write down the offenses on a piece of paper, and then when you get it all done, then burn the piece of paper. Okay? He says, well, how about this? How about if I write the offenses on his house and when when I'm done with it, I'll burn it down. I says, it works. No, I I said, let it go, guys. And if you have trouble, even after a talk like this, because we all got stuff, I know we do, then I would suggest that you talk to someone, get some help, go to counseling. We have some great counselors at CLM and me, you know, so just, you know, you can get help. There's people ready to help you. Um, I want you free. That's it. Stay with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, just be with us. God, I know... There's a million reasons why people get mad. Some are so understandable. But I know you. You just want us free. So help us to just purge ourselves of this anger, to be done with it once and for all, and give you the glory. And it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing that. uh...